Welcome back into Mining Stock Daily, everybody. Trevor Hall here with a guest with today's market analysis, our friend Rob Sin, CEO Technician. Rob, welcome back. Thank you, Trevor. It's great to be back. Glad that you're back in the country from your visit to Colombia. Uh, it's you. definitely, you know, one of my favorite places as well. Yeah, it's a, it's what a vibrant country. Um, yeah, it's just it, the I've been to Colombia twice, and each time it's just been a lot of fun. And just just vibrant, and um, you know. They just they everybody celebrates life there somehow. It's colorful, very colorful. That's right. It's a colorful place. Uh, well, let's let's speaking of colorful, let's talk about the markets because <laughs> uh, uh, red and green. Uh, let's talk about what's red. The general markets are in the red. Nasdaq, S and P, Dow Jones, all down a percent or more. Nasdaq leading as we are talking down one point six percent. Um, there's obviously uh, uh, earnings season is upon us. We got some more news out of some big, some of the bigger companies continuing to show cracks within the economy. Uh, consumer demand is falling. Obviously, I think that's weighing in on the market moves. But we're also seeing green here, and what I guess we could classify as safe haven appetite: the dollar, gold, mm-hmm. uh, silver is. Silver looked really ugly early this morning, Rob, and that is getting bought. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's a general sense of you know. I know today is just one day, but what is today telling us? Yeah, I think I think yeah. So that's a good point. One day, you know, it's just one day. Uh, we don't want to make too much of it, but I will say that heading into today. Uh, in my morning email, I did note the extremely low volatility environment that we've been in the last couple of weeks. It seems like every day recently, the range that the markets have been trading in has gotten narrow and narrower. Gold coiling around that 2000 level, S&P around 4150. And I kind of just you know alluded to the fact that I think we're going to see volatility pick up a bit again. And there's some things happening uh, that might be underneath the surface, not necessarily showing up in the mega caps of the S&P 500 or in this oscillation in the gold price or the the recent dollar, you know, sell off. And uh, here we have volatility definitely picking up uh, today from extremely low levels. And, and as you said, we don't want to make too much of one day, but uh, it is a notable trading session because it, because it comes after this period of what seems like an extended calm. Mm-hmm. And that extended calm comes after what we witnessed in early to mid-March, where we dipped our toes into a banking crisis and then suddenly everything was okay again, you know? And so here we are, but, you know, if there's one thing I can see big picture is, okay, so stocks have gone up, things have calmed down, a lot fewer people are talking, banking crisis, but gold is still above $2,000 an ounce. So normally in the past, if everything calmed down and there was no crisis anymore, uh, stocks went up, we would expect gold to drop 
100, 150 bucks an ounce easy. And it hasn't, you know, and so that's something that really stands out to me today. <clears throat> What's also standing out to me is this moving copper today, Rob. It's, it's a really ugly red candle. Uh, what is Dr. Copper saying? Yeah, you, you've been, you've been noting that. And it's interesting because at the end of March, I was like, I think copper has a shot here to break out to the upside, but it never managed to get back above that 420 level. So just from a technician standpoint, it was unconvincing. And the longer it consolidated around $4, a little bit under $4, you had to become a little more skeptical, a little more pessimistic as to its prospects. I still think it's in the range, big picture. I, I don't want to make too much of this move, but I look at FCX, um, you know, I look at some of these big, you know, integrated mining companies and it's just, it's not, it's not a great look. You know, they're, they're all selling off multiple days in a row, really big down day today. So what is it telling me? It's telling me the economy is not that great. And there's some concerns about China, um, that maybe some of their recent numbers have been a little bit hmm, baked up. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, we can say whatever we want about economic data and how real it is. Uh, for sure, there's been mixed signals all over the board the last couple of months. But market prices are the one thing that we can all agree on. Uh, the market price is the price. It's happening and everybody has an opportunity to buy and sell at the current price, right? And so with copper starting to roll over and some of these big integrated mining companies starting to get hit, it's definitely uh, painting a picture that the odds of a recession uh, are going up quite a bit. Yeah. Uh this move in the precious metals uh, is quite, it is quite telling because there's a couple, you know, sentiment headlines out there that I think uh, kind of caught me off guard. Uh, and you tweeted about it earlier today, this Wall Street Journal article <laughs> posting about, you know, the Google search of how to buy gold. Those, that data set has been rising some reason the Wall Street Journal believes that it's the crypto folks looking for some sort of safe haven. <laughs> and to, I, I don't know if there's any truth to it, uh, to be quite honest with you. I have a hard time believing it. But I also kind of question, you know, from where I sit, Rob, there's nothing real frothy about gold sentiment right now. We're not, we're getting like kind of small snippets of interest. But we don't. We know it's not going to take a whole lot of interest to finally get this gold price moving to new all time highs. So I guess how do how do you like balance this? Because usually, you know, in the last in the last cycle, you know, in in twenty in the fall of twenty twenty, if we were starting to see this, we were saying to ourselves, well, maybe this is about it. Mm. But that doesn't seem like we're there yet. No, I agree with you. I, I don't think we're there yet. I think that the banking crisis and that 
you know, basically one week of bank runs in, in March definitely got people to be more aware of gold uh, and tweets and blog posts and people making uh, reels on Instagram about de-dollarization and you need to get your money out of the banking system. I definitely think that raised some awareness for gold, but a lot of those people, do they own any gold? You know, do they actually own any, you know, do they actually go buy any gold? Um, yeah. I, I, I'm a little skeptical. I mean, just from my own experience in my day-to-day life, I had a couple of people ask me about gold that had never asked me about gold, but that's a couple of people over a span of five or six weeks. And how many people are there in my life in total? You know, there's a few hundred, right? So, and not really, you know, anything that, you know, that would have me say, uh, oh, that's a top, you know, that's a contrarian sign. So I think that this is the evolution, you know, this is part of the evolution of a bull market move. You grow the awareness and you plant the seeds and then market participants, people take action at some point at, at a later date. And, and, and we're not at that later date yet. It, it still feels like it's, it's pretty early in the move, you know, which, yeah. which is kind of crazy for me to say that at $2,000 an ounce, you know, when we look back to where we've been, but it does. It feels like it's pretty early in the move. You mentioned de-dollarization, but you and I haven't had a chance to get your thoughts on this narrative. Uh, it got really that that narrative really picked up uh, when <laughs> uh, Fried Zakari on CNN and and, and former Fox host uh, Tucker Carlson mm-hmm. mentioned it a couple weeks ago. Um, I mean, there was this kind of frenzy within this narrative, and I mean, if you look at the dxy chart here rob it doesn't look great uh today's you know getting a rebound but you know i i would assume you're in the same camp as i am as that narrative was getting really over overdone mm-hmm. and over consumed however on the other side of it i mean technically the chart doesn't look great technically the dollar index chart doesn't look great but in the very next breath, this is the place in the chart where I would be much more likely to be a buyer than a seller. So in one breath, you know, I can observe the downtrend the same way that you can. But in the you know, next breath, am I going to short it here in the hole at 100 on the dollar index? No. You know, as an experienced trader, I know that's a losing trade. That, 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 you know, if I do that trade 10 times, I'm probably going to lose seven or eight times. Uh, so, that, so I'm not going to make that trade, you know. And, and when I look at the headlines and the sentiment in my Twitter timeline and the emails, you know, in my inbox, it's just it's been de-dollarization, end of the dollar, basically nonstop for the last six weeks. Um, so my experienced... Uh, you know, market participant mindset, you know, naturally is like, okay, I want to fade that, you know, I want to fade the crowd here at the very least, 
for a trade. Maybe the dollar index can get back to 104 or 105. You know, I don't know, but uh, I definitely don't want to short it here in the hole at 100 um, and a dollar 10, 50 on the euro dollar. You know, it's down to 109, you know, 67 as we speak, but but it was above 110.50 in the last you know 24 hours. So I, I feel like the the de-dollarization thing is an important topic and it's it's a longer topic than we have for this conversation but i will make a few points and that is that i understand where the de-dollarization talk comes from because naturally the the u.s has been the world leader since 1945 you know in one way or another and the dollar has you know become the dominant uh you know currency um and there's a lot of reasons for that, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that the U.S. has the largest capital markets. It has a very large economy. It has a very large armed forces that has a lot of influence you know, around the globe, right? And so things are changing a bit in the world today. And there's a lot of leaders out there of other countries who would rather usurp the U.S. dominance and, you know, reduce the dollar's role in trade, you know, across the world. And so there is this, you know, Russia and China being the leaders of it, this movement for de-dollarization. And I think it's an important thing that we need to be aware of. And I think it is real. But I also think its short-term impact is, is way overstated by a lot of people, a lot of market commentators. And... <laughs> it's not going to be that easy for all of us to get off the dollar, you know? And I, I, I found it kind of ironic that Donald Trump held a couple of press conferences a few weeks ago. And one of the topics that he pounded on was de-dollarization and how, you know, the Biden, uh, you know, administration is overseeing the, the fall of the dollar, blah, 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 blah. And I just found it ironic that I, I would be willing to bet that his assets are in dollars and he has very little exposure to any other currency or gold yet you know he sits there on a podium and talks about the downfall of the dollar so simply stated the downfall of the dollar is wildly overstated however we need to be aware that the world is bifurcating and there are plenty of powers out there that will, you know, reduce their use of the dollar going forward. Mm -hmm. And the one will be one of those currencies that will gain market share gradually over time. I think the euro's already gained its market share. I don't see it growing a whole lot more. And then, obviously, gold is part of the conversation as a key underpinning of various central banks around the globe. And while gold may not be a currency that trade will transact in, gold is a key foundation of any you know, country's financial strength. So I think we will continue to see you know, you know, like emerging market central banks add to their gold holdings over time. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, it's been a, that's been a big trend. A lot of the central banks have been buying. I mean, those reports come out quarter over quarter. They they are maybe the biggest buyers mm-hmm. out there from the open data. Um, you know, let's talk about the junior mining market here, Rob. I don't know the next time you and I will be able to talk. I'm mm-hmm. hitting the road again next week. But give us a sense of, you know, it's not one of those rising tides lifts all boats here in junior mining. We have seen a few companies out there being able to finance and some of those financings are getting oversubscribed. So that's a positive thing, but not everybody's out there being able to raise money. Um, you know, give us a sense of what you're seeing, the, the, the breadth and the health of exploration right now. Yeah, I think the market is moving along and there are some companies that are doing well. Uh, there's a lot of other companies that are just sort of marking time, you know, in a sideways share price. And there's a segment for sure of the junior mining market that is pretty much not able to finance just because either the projects are not advanced enough, shareholders are sort of soured on the management team or the company story. Uh, so, so it is a, uh, market, it's a tale of two cities or three cities, you know, across the, you know, sector. Um, there are some companies that are awash in cash and continue to put out great news on a regular basis, including the company that you, you know, went down to see last week. Um, and there's a lot of companies that are just sort of marking time and not really seeing share price appreciation, uh, you know, you know, even with $2,000 gold, um, it feels like the financing window is not fully open. It's, it's open in some ways, but it's not fully open. And I think that has a lot to do with the Fed funds rate uh, being as high as it is. I think it has a lot. It just cost of capital is generally higher. And, um, you know, investors have a bit of a, you know, recency bias. So, you know, they're looking at the last couple of years and they're saying, my, you know, my returns have not been great. And so they're just not as willing to write checks, uh, you know. Now, that can be cured if gold breaks out to new all-time highs. It can be cured with some, some more M&A in the sector, people actually making money. Um, you sort of get those, you know, animal spirits going again. Um, but right now it's, it's just an odd market. And, you know, another sector that, you know, that I focus on is biotech and, you know, I'll just say in biotech, publicly traded biotech is, is scorched earth right now. There's a lot of, really? there's a lot of companies that are, their market valuations are less than the cash they have in their treasury. There, there's a number, <laughs> like literally dozens of companies. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that investors are unsure of when these companies will be able to raise capital again. So they're punishing them for the uncertainty of the future. And they're also punishing them that maybe some companies are are pulling back their spending plans and not being as aggressive because again of this financing uncertainty. 
And so if they're not as likely to achieve their next milestone in five or six months, then, then when, right. And, and then what, yeah. right. So it's a, it's a very interesting and unusual market environment that we have right now. If you put it all together. It's a similar story, only different industry than what we, what we saw in mining mm-hmm. last, last year. That's happening in biotech, it seems. Yeah. I mean, it's just I no idea. a lot of, you know, recency bias. And these companies are being punished for very poor returns, you know, the last couple of years. Okay. And um, just unsure of where they're going to get their next financing from. Right? Is it a contrarian thought here? If you're looking to allocate some cash? For sure. If a company is trading under it's cash in the bank and I like the, you know, management team. It's absolutely a contrarian opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Rob, pleasure to have you back on the podcast. I've missed you, buddy. It's been a long time. Uh, (laughs) It's been too long. It has been too long. We we were trying to get this done actually a couple of weeks ago. We couldn't, we couldn't do it, but it's all right. they were saying now is now is the best time. So, Rob, thanks so much. Have yourself a great rest of your week. You too. Thanks a lot, Trevor. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.